It's Friday, and you know what that means. It's the Depot Cast for February 5th, 2021. It is also a snow day. Uh, we are all recording from our various homes. <laughs> I'm Mike. There's Mackenzie. Hello, hello. And there's Mary. Hi, Mary. Hi. Yes, I am snowed in. Uh, yeah, you like of all of us who are snowed in, you might be the worst of all, and that includes Mackenzie in Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, the issue is I have uh, farm fields all the way around my house. Yeah. And when the wind blows, huge, huge drifts. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, we had some, like, wild uh, local news happen today in the middle, like, super early this morning that uh, the yes. other the other people that get called when someone searches for Union Station uh, on Google caught fire. And as far as we're as far as we're aware, it messed up their kitchen pretty bad, but it, they didn't lose the entire structure, so that's good. Thank goodness. Um, yes. My, my initial Sorry. worry was that uh, it was somebody's house on Marquette Street because it's not too far away from where I am, and that's what all I could see from my window. So, uh, like, I'm sorry to hear about the barbecue place, but I'm also pretty happy that it wasn't somebody's house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> In, in on yeah. a on a snow day where it was like ten degrees out last night. Uh, Our yeah. thoughts go out to Dave and and I think it's Colleen, yeah. uh, the owners of the smokehouse. Yep, they uh, they do good work and they're pals of ours. They were over at the winter market on Wednesday, uh, serving uh, pulled pork sandwiches and stuff, and everybody seemed really happy about that. So. Uh, hopefully they can get themselves back on their feet quickly. And, uh, but we also had a side conversation before we started recording today about, uh, yet another reason why Duran Union Station has never become a restaurant <laughs> again. Yeah. It, it's putting a restaurant in the depot is just asking for, you know, a, a kitchen fire or a range fire, you know, and, that's why we do not have a stove in the building. I, yeah. I don't know if you guys realize this or know this, but we have a catering kitchen, which means there's a refrigerator. Uh, we got a great big sink area. We do have a warming unit, but yeah. we don't have a stove. And And the reason why we don't have a stove is to avoid fires that happen yeah, like sto that. stove related yeah. fires. Although we we stove do, related fires, we do allow a lot of crock pots to be plugged in, and <laughs> yes, we do. An electrical fire is probably just as bad, but knock on wood, we haven't had one yet. Um, but yeah, actually tying into our continued topic today of architecture, um, at least two of the buildings that we would be talking about potentially, uh, I believe the Michigan Central Station in Lansing. Uh, which was which which was until recently Clara's in Lansing uh, and uh, the Gandy Dancer, which was the Michigan Central Station in Ann Arbor, have both caught fire being restaurants. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, my. Um, but they're still standing. Oh. Uh, I know Clara's is closed at the moment, but. Uh, oh, yeah. I was going to ask. If it's not Clara's, what did they turn it into now? Um, yeah, I think it's just empty at the moment. Ah. But there's more than one Clara's because there's a train. There's also a station in Battle Creek, I think, or Grand Rapids. Somewhere out west that is a former train station that was also bought up by the Clara's people and 
turned into a, a restaurant. Like restaurant is okay. a good is a good backup plan for an old an old train museum if you or a train depot if you have one. Um, but not ours. We're <laughs> we're rail locked. Well, we're a bad place. Yeah. We're, we're a bad location for a restaurant anyway. And from just a historical standpoint, you know, you're you're really putting a whole lot of risk involved in putting a kitchen like yeah. that, a historical building, because it, you know, it when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. You know, I I say that so many times about you know estate sales or or anything historic. If it catches on fire and burns to the ground, it's just gone. Right. You know, there's the the upper like upper two thirds of our building are giant open wooden rafters. <laughs> like there's a yep. lot of a lot of wood and a lot of open air for fire to get out of control up there in a location that's incredibly hard to get with a fire hose. Uh, yeah. And we've already had the building burnt down once before, so we <laughs> definitely don't want to go there again. We're, we're trying to keep our average decent now like our average is now up to like 58 years between fires which is fine um <laughs> but you know when when you're when your first fire happens two years into the building being around you get real nervous about the second one potentially uh yeah but yeah uh so we're gonna continue to talk about architecture because we found so many cool buildings that were uh, designed by spear and roans the detroit-based firm that uh, designed duran union station that uh, we didn't want to go for like an hour and a half last week. We decided to cut the thing in half and, and go again this week and keep talking. So um, last week we talked about uh, Duran Union Station, obviously, because that's basically the thing we talk about on every episode of this show. <laughs> uh, we talked about uh, the United Way Community Services Building in Detroit. We talked about uh, the Grand Trunk Station in Portland, Maine. And then we talked about uh, the Kelsey Museum of Archaeology at the on the University of Michigan campus. So uh, this week we're going to keep talking. Uh, weird that people who can't shut up are going to continue to not shut up. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Mackenzie, what's going on in Sault Ste. Marie? It's it's your it's your segment. Oh, what's going on in Sault Ste. Marie? Nothing really again. <laughs> um, lots of snow, really cold. It's actually a snow day up here for school, so there's no classes. No. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So we awesome. have lots and lots of snow. It's been snowing since about 10 o'clock last night when I was in student government to now. I thought you were going to say it's been snowing, snowing since, oh, November. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> like, it hasn't stopped. But yeah, uh, you were telling me off air that you you've gotten really deep into like uh, true crime documentaries on Netflix. Yeah, you had suggested that one. It was my fault. I yeah, had, yeah, I, I started watching it. that one was really interesting, and um, it just played like another series, and I was like, okay, I guess this is what we're going with. I always like that is it unsolved mysteries one or something. Yeah, I suggested I that she. That, so I suggested that she watch the Night Stalker one that just came out. And then she devoured it. And now you say you're kind of getting through like Ted Bundy, I guess. Yeah, I think that's the one that's going through right now. This is good. This is good viewing when you're isolated in a campus that's remote. <laughs> to just There's freak yourself out. <laughs> There's nothing to do. Um, There's nothing to do. So. Uh, and Everything you have else. also been working on uh, some stuff. You've been working on the kids uh, membership thing, which 
that's a working title. We're not going to call it a children's membership because membership to us means specific things that we're not giving to children. But mm -hmm. um, anything you want to share in front of an audience? Uh, yeah, I have some little things coming around. Let me pull it up real quick. Okay, so I just had a couple ideas that would be included with our kids' membership. So there's going to be two different options. We'll, of course, have one for that's like targeted towards kids under the age of 12. And then we'll have a different one that's targeted for kids that are like 12 and up. So that way we can kind of cater to each age group's needs and everything. So we thought we could have like little things that were more interactive and everything rather than you just kind of read it and everything. Like how our newsletter is, it's kind of like, you know, you read it and you just yeah. absorb the information. One direction. Yeah. Yeah, we thought we would have more, like, interactive activities in the books and things that they can actually, like, sit down and rather just read. They can, like, spend time doing something. Yeah. Um, I know Operation Lifesaver hands out activity books like that. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's a good direction to go in for sure. Yeah. Um, and that also, like, that also doesn't stop us from including Operation Lifesaver stuff in whatever we mail out. Um, yeah, we will definitely have stuff like that. I think Curtis would up. be thrilled <laughs> to have <laughs> to have a kind of a mailing list for that. Um, what I've been working on is actually I've been working on the newsletter <laughs> the last couple of days. Uh, yay, because we got to get that thing out uh, before next week. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, and uh, Jerry Becker and I are working on the history of Amtrak for an exhibit. So that's that's happening. It's, it's, this year is the 50th anniversary of Amtrak in April. So we want to, we want to put something together for the, for the lobby that, uh, people will enjoy, uh, because we're still acting like railroad days is going to happen. So <laughs> we have to prepare as if it is, and then figure out what to do if it isn't. So, uh, you know, let's go Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Everybody get that one. Let's go. Yes. Um, <laughs> definitely. And, and Mary is our head development person. So she's always talking with people about uh, whether they will eventually give us money or money they have recently given us or um, finding new avenues for fundraising and other things like that. Like, um, I don't think that's a stretch to say that's probably your core role as executive director. Yeah. That you spend the majority mm -hmm. of your time on that sort of stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, event development and yeah, sponsorships and yeah. If it brings money in, that's, that's Mary's responsibility. Yes. Have to keep the lights on. And I think my responsibility is more or less uh, summarized as uh, bring people in <laughs> who may or may yep. not have money. Um, okay, so that was your kind of what, what are you doing at work this week update. Uh, oh, yeah, we have most of the Christmas stuff down finally. Oh yes. my gosh. <laughs> Can, well, the plan was yeah. today that I was going to put more decorations in, in storage and yeah. then we got a snow day and you could yeah, leave your I, house. I, yeah. I was telling a board member earlier this morning, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to see what it looks like around one o'clock and maybe head in and <laughs> one yeah. o'clock. It was still, <laughs> the snow was blowing sideways, literally <laughs> update still bad. <laughs> Still bad. Um, <laughs> so I'll probably go up there tomorrow and yeah, I mean that puts some more decorations put away. That certainly puts Saturday into doubt too, because 
we typically key our days off to whether the school district closes and they're not going to call a snow day on a Saturday. Those don't exist for the yeah. school. So then it tr- like it simply becomes our prerogative to be like, well, uh, is it still terrible out? I guess. Um, that was, it was a kind of a harder decision to make when you had volunteers that we were constantly having to wrangle yeah. and make sure they were, they were cool because we don't want anyone to drive in terrible conditions to come to a volunteer job. Like right. you're going to come here and sit in an empty room because no one else is going to come here because the weather's bad. So, um, and that's how we used to do it across the board. And then eventually we kind of looked at each other and went, you know, the school district just calls snow days. Why don't we just piggyback on their thing? <laughs> Cause I think the library does it that way too. Yeah, I think they do. So we were like, well, they've clearly figured it out. Like that's the path of least resistance. Let's just do that. Um, yeah. Okay, so architecture. Uh, who wants to go first? I can go first. All I right. am sitting here looking at history information about the Union Depot in Lansing. The very this... next depot uh, of any size to Duran, our neighbor. Yeah. It was built in 1901. Yes. So Duran Union Station was built in 1903. This particular building, which is significantly smaller than the uh, was built in 1901 and it is also I thought was interesting it's built on a concrete foundation which hmm. our building has a crawl space underneath it it's not a very big one but there is a crawl space underneath it and then there is a portion of the base of the the space underneath that it has a uh, an actual basement um, but this this particular building measures 149 feet long and 35 feet wide. So I'm not quite sure how that measures up to us. But Say that again. At pictures, I, I was looking at some information about Lansing and didn't hear your whole thing. What did you say? Oh, just talking about it's 100. That particular building yeah. is 149 feet long and 35 feet wide. One, okay. Um, I'm pulling up our stats to show up how big we are in comparison. But their roof is cl- covered with clay tile, just like ours. Yep. Um, the lower portion of the building is limestone up to the, the bottom of the windows. So from the street level up to the bottom of the windows is limestone and if that is just like ours when yeah. you're looking at pictures of it it's very similar to yeah they had the a specific style um duranian station is 239 feet long by the way 239 ah so 100 feet longer yeah so um, yeah we're ours is bigger but uh closed in 71 <laughs> just like uh around the time just that ours like was us. yeah yeah. Um, it was also part of the, uh, so, uh, after Gerald Ford left Durand on May 15th, 1976, he stopped in Lansing and ate at the restaurant there. Really? Yeah. That, that was his next stop. Um, so actually I have a, a, a story about the Lansing Grand Trunk Union Station. Um, this is from October, 1941. Uh, a three-way investigation was opened today to determine the cause of an accident in which a fast Grand Trunk fruit train leapt its tracks, demolished the railroad's passenger station here, 
killed a newspaper boy and injured 12 others. Uh, Coroner Harry Ledley says all angles, including sabotage, will be checked as police, coroner's office, and railroad investigators questioned witnesses and inspected the wreckage. It is unofficially reported, however, the accident was caused by a faulty switch. So um, witnesses said said between 15 and 20 persons were waiting at the station for the Chicago-bound Grand Trunk Maple Leaf Limited, which was on its, you know, it had just left Durand. Uh... When, uh, when the middle of the 52-car freight jackknifed just west of the station, the west portion of the two-story brick depot was destroyed and more than a quarter mile of double track was torn up. A car loaded with grapes splintered against the station. Uh, oh, no. Uh, so you'll remember that like five years ago, we had a wreck outside the depot that missed the front of the canopy by about five feet. Um, yep. Even in modern day... <laughs> uh, train stations are always at some sort of risk for being completely struck broadside by an engine. Uh, yeah, it wiped like the, I've seen photos of it around our archive where you can see that the entire side of the building is just gone, just completely destroyed. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but it was rebuilt, uh, in 1941 and it was continued to be in use until 1971. Is the uh, and then it was uh, uh, in '72. It was returned. It, it that's why it became a restaurant in '72, uh, and then it was uh, which is why Gerald Ford ate there. Um, well, it is a very attractive building. Yeah. It is a one-story building. It has a hip roof. It has cedar tiles. It, it's it's a very nice historical building. It has a, like a like a parapet like a castle <laughs> yes like archers should should sit at the top of it um building was abandoned in the early 2000s in 2010 the lansing board of water and light began construction of a power plant adjacent to the depot and included a full restoration of the station in the project well that's interesting they got a power company to <laughs> to fix theirs um yeah that's that's lansing uh a very uh like very unlucky to have been hit by a train and, but luckily for them, they got rebuilt. So, yes. um, uh, Mackenzie, you said you had a church you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So I picked this church. It's the sweetest heart of Mary Roman Catholic church. Oh so, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. This one is located on Russell street in Detroit in the forest park neighborhood on the east side. So it's a Gothic Revival cathedral-style church, and it's the largest one of the Roman Catholic churches in the city of Detroit. In 1974, it was designated as the Michigan State Historic Site, and it has been listed on the National Register of Historic Places since 1978. So this is kind of the biggest church in Detroit at the moment. Um, yeah, that is, that is a humongous church. Yes. Here I'm. I'm also. I'm also googling that while you're. <laughs> while you're talking yeah, it's about that. Really so the architecture, the in 1890 construction began, and it was like their goal was to make it what would become the largest Catholic church in Michigan. So it was obviously designed by Spear and Rome's, and. The cornerstone laying ceremony was held on June 5th, 1892, 
and on December 24th, 1893, after construction costs of over $125,000, the church was finally dedicated. So that was a pretty big church and pretty expensive church in that time frame. Uh, yeah, th- so this uh, this church is probably three city blocks east of the medical center there down in Detroit. Uh, mm-hmm like over by Wayne state medical school and all that. Uh, yeah. Forest park neighborhood. It has several stained glass windows that were created by Detroit stained glass works. And it is very unique because the church is constructed of red brick in a cross shape with a cross gabled roof. Did we just lose you? <laughs> still here can you hear me oh okay yeah <laughs> right there i finished the sentence did it cut out uh it it wanted to cut out it sounded like we were losing you okay so i'll finish what i was saying there yeah um as a triple portal a pointed arch structure and a stone atop everything two towers flank the entrance topped with identical spires which are capped and detailed with crosses yeah um so i'm looking at this uh Here's a fun uh, tip while you're listening to this uh, podcast is uh, look this thing, look, look these places up on Google Maps and then use like the Google Street View <laughs> to look at it like you're standing in the street right in front of it. And you can see how imposing these buildings are because, man, that is a tall church. Um, it is really a tall church. I'm looking to see I'm looking into the towers to see what the like. It almost looks like, and this is granted, this is a picture from Google, but it looks like maybe they don't have a a real bell in there anymore. And they just have something hooked up to a loudspeaker. Mm-hmm. There's also, I think, a Pepsi plant next door, <laughs> next door to it. I'm going to give this a try to give- see if I can't see it for oh outside outside view that is actually a cool idea oh to go and look at these places with google maps yeah so there's a a a pepsi bottling plant kind of across the street from it (laughs) yeah very cool um, okay, it's my turn. Uh, the one that I want to talk about is uh, I was going to talk about the skating pavilion, right at uh, Belle Isle. Yes. Okay, so the um, I'm the least prepared, as it turns out. Hold on a second. Bell. Uh, d- a lot of dead air is, which is just awesome to hear on a podcast. <laughs> a lot of research going on today i'm sure you can hear my loud keyboard in the background um okay so uh historic detroit's website has a little bit of a blurb on it where uh belle isle was a year-round getaway for detroiters thousands of whom would descend upon the pavilion on lake tacoma spell the with a k uh which served as a shelter and refreshment stand in warmer months and a skating pavilion in the colder ones when the lake would freeze um detroiters could rent skates here before hitting the frozen lake this structure, designed by Spear and Rones, was opened on January 1st, 1893. Um, it had a huge observation deck that was uh, at some point removed, um, but it was 
probably not maintained super well because by 1950 it was uh, really well worn. Uh, and t- currently today, the Flynn Memorial Pavilion is uh, is kind of in that location. Uh, so the building was torn down. Yeah, in 1950. Uh, that's too bad. But it sounds like it wasn't it wasn't being maintained. So it's if you, a very cool building. Yeah, if you uh if you look for it on Google Maps, uh it still shows up like the it, it's just called Flynn Pavilion now, so you can see where it would have gone. Um and in fact, I think if you zoom in, you can actually see the almost like the footprint of it. That's interesting. Because they built the Flynn Pavilion right next to it. Yeah, you can kind of see like the outline of where it would have been. That's that's fascinating. But yeah, this is a giant. So this lake that we're talking about, Lake Tacoma, is uh, a lake that's entirely built within Belle Isle. It's got a couple of, um, I, w- I wouldn't even call them rivers. I would say they're streams that direct water out into the Detroit River. Uh, the basis of my knowledge for Belle Isle is largely the um, the race <laughs> that they have there. They have an IndyCar race there, uh, and it was part it was part of the track. Uh, yeah, so uh, skating pavilion. So uh, let me find a, a good photo of it to better describe it rather than just read it out loud. I've broken everything. Okay, so this uh, skating pavilion has a lot of witches hats on it. There, uh, in the photo that I can see, there are at least one, two, three, four, five, probably a sixth one, all along the the bottom floor, uh, floor one and floor two, and then floor three was an observation deck, as as we mentioned. Uh, the observation deck looked like a big square with uh, like a like pyramid shaped uh, peaks on five corners. So all four corners on the top were all pyramids. Um, yeah, very fascinating. It looks like it's very, very clear that it was like open air, uh, that they had these doors, but it wasn't meant to be like an indoor pavilion. And I don't know when this photo was taken, but I can see in the photo already that the front of the building's in disrepair. <laughs> uh, well, so. the arches on the lake side, yeah. are just beautiful. There, yeah. There's like these big sweeping arches over the doors. It, it's very was a it was very a very attractive building. Um. So based on all of the stuff that we've gone through thus far, we've learned that Spear and Rones really liked arches, although Duranian Station didn't get one. Um, nope. And they really liked uh like conical, uh sort of towers or parapets or turrets. Or think or witches hats like they were a big fan of all of that stuff um, because yeah. one of the one of the core the core things that they went to a lot and I'm sure this is part of the architectural style uh, I am not an architectural historian so I am not an expert on this um, is they that is like if you want to look at what's the common thread between all these buildings the vast majority of ha- of them have that uh, that sort of design to them. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, 
I think the thing that's most fascinating is that most of these buildings still exist. <laughs> they were they were built at the turn of the century or in the late 1800s, and they're still up. Um, and most of them are still being used, which is when I think about American architecture, I don't think an awful lot about buildings that stick around for very long. Uh, America is not Europe. And for, uh, it took a really long time for us to start having some sort of architectural pride in what was being built here. Uh, we've been a a very temporary, uh, culture (laughs) when it comes to structures. Uh, so when you see stuff that's very old, that's now we have stuff that's a hundred years old and that seems like rare, not to mention the stuff that's 200 years old or even 300 years old. Uh, very few buildings are 300 years old in this country, but yeah. Uh, any other buildings from this list that we want to talk about? Hello. Oh, okay. I'm reading. I'm reading here. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm always paranoid that this thing is broken and I'm just talking to myself again. I was checking out the list. Let me see. Did we actually talk about the Gandhi dancer? I don't think we did. We I don't prob- think we did either. We, people will riot if we don't talk about the Gandhi dancer. Hold on a second. Let's talk about the Gandhi dancer then. Gandhi. Yeah, so um, the Gandhi Dancer is a restaurant that's in Ann Arbor. Uh, it's right next to their Amtrak station because uh, they still had a uh, rail here. It's on. It was on. The, it's on the old Michigan Central line, um, and it was built in 1886. Uh, but now it's a now it's a restaurant. Uh, they've left the inside of it very very authentic to the train station uh, decor. Um, <laughs> In fact, I know that the Gandhi Dancer has one of those, like, you can use Google Maps to walk inside the restaurant and sort of bop around inside of it, which is cool. Uh, Not very many places have that sort of virtual tour. One place that does is Duran Union Station. Cheap plug for our own stuff. Yes, we do. Um, (laughs) But I was listening to somebody talk the other day. I think it may have been Dan. He was mentioning that uh, when trains go by the Gandhi Dancer, everybody claps. Uh, and the reason that they do really? it is, uh, in th- uh, apparently it's because, um, a train has hit that station before. So they were, uh, so by clapping, what they're doing is they're appeasing any ghosts that may be around that would cause a second one. Um, and also everybody, uh, de- uh always gets up and goes to the windows. Where have you heard that before? That when a train goes, oh yeah, by, that happens. All the time at the depot. The funniest one is when we have like the Michigan Association of Railroad Passengers in our building doing a doing a meeting because they <laughs> they literally stop business. Whoever's up there giving a presentation, they stop and everybody gets up and goes to the window. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they do this at this restaurant too. Uh, it looks like they've uh, taken advantage of the open floor space that was in a train station and turn it into a lot of seating. It does look cramped in there, honestly, though, because it's not very big. The Gandhi answer is not a large structure. Um, I would say it's probably half the size of our station. If I had to guess with two floors, it, it looks massive, but yeah, that but, would make sense. But our building I, is I also want to point out yeah. that 
the front door. I love that rounded brick yeah, front that, door. Yeah, that portal. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Um, I, th- I think they have valet parking at the Gandhi Dancer, too. Like, they're fancy. Way fancier than us. It's uh, not hard. It's not hard to be fancier. Way. Yeah, it's not hard to be fancier than Duran, though. <laughs> I, I think it would be worth the drive to Ann Arbor just to have lunch there. Um, the only time I ever see it is like when I'm going into town for football reasons, and it's the last place you want to be on a Saturday. <laughs> it's because there's it's like it's like trying to go into Zingerman's on on a Saturday. You're just not gonna you're, you're gonna uh, sit in line forever waiting to get in. Um, very crowded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Do they looks, have a slate roof or is it asphalt? That I'm looks, looking at the. That looks like asphalt. Okay, but, but they've got uh, accents. Like there's clay tiles that are at the very top of it. Yep. Um, and then one of their turrets. Imagine that they have a turret. Uh, looks like it has slate tiles on it. Maybe those are original tiles that they left up. Because they kind of have like a two-toned roof. One is copper colored, and the other one is is gray. Yeah. They also have really interesting, like rounded-off dormers. I I noticed that too. Those are very strange dormers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like most of these buildings that we've talked about today or and last week are on the Michigan Register of Historic Places. Uh, the Gandy Dancer sign is literally right on the sidewalk in front of it. Um, they have a lot of outdoor seating that they take advantage of in the, in the summer. Uh, yeah, like the, um, they use the ticket area, like the ticket cage area that, um, as sort of like a pass through for their restaurant, (laughs) like the kitchen is in there and that's where they move stuff through. Um, and then they have an, an upstairs, the upstairs dining area is, is also pretty full, uh, but yeah, this is a very, very handsome building, and uh, looks like they make good food. I've never, I've never been inside. Might need to do a road trip once COVID gets over with, and we can actually sit at a table and have dinner together. Right. Hey, they have Uber Eats though, so that's good. I'm just <laughs> looking at their website. I'm being stupid. All right, let's see if there's any other interesting information about that station that's quickly available. Now I'm just in the habit of looking at all their cool photos that they have. So that um part of their outside seating is, you know how we have a really huge um a canopy, they have an even bigger canopy that may or may not be original. That is the majority of their outside seating, but it's on like a, um, a brick sidewalk. Um, yeah, their use of the original stone and brick is is very unique. The inside photos of this building, like our the inside of the depot is drywalled. Yeah, but the inside of the Gandhi Dancer is the the brick and the stone that they yeah. use to construct it. So that is very unique, very uniquely done. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, and half of our building is marble at the bottom. So, <laughs> uh, 
so we, we couldn't and get away with a, doing all the brickwork. But they have a mezzanine upstairs, and the ceiling on the mezzanine is just phenomenal. It's yeah. it looks like old solid wood um, on the ceiling. Uh, so one of the best photos I've seen of the inside of it is uh, in the center of its what would have been their waiting room they either kept or built something that looks very much like the original waiting room where you have these rounded off benches that are the corner of four different tables. They use round tables and then they have these mm-hmm. rounded uh, booth benches that would have been similar to like where you would sit if you were waiting for a train because they have the sculpture that uh, was probably a fountain at some point, but right now it's like a, a almost like a chandelier kind of looking thing that's in the center. Uh, and it just, this place is elegant in ways that, uh, our station could never hope to be. <laughs> we claim that we're elegant, but, uh, you walk inside the Gandhi dancer and you see exactly, uh, you see exactly what elegant is. Um, it's a gorgeous building. And remember this building has caught fire once because it was a restaurant. Oh, so wow. Even despite the fire, this place looks amazing. Yeah. All right, Mackenzie, have you found another uh, another one that you want to talk about? Actually, not. Well, there was the other church in Ann Arbor that I was interested in. Uh, sure. We're at, we're at 37 and a half minutes, so we could probably do one more. Okay, so the next church I picked was St. Thomas Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is also a Roman Catholic church, and it's located at 530 540 Elizabeth Street. And yeah. it's also as a Michigan State historic site. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um it's really easy for me to get sidetracked by uh by the stained glass windows. <laughs> uh <laughs> because I'm I'm a simple man and I like bright colors and things like that. Um let's see. So this building is built of local fine grain rough cut granite on a cruciform plan it seats a thousand people yeah so um, most church. catholic churches are built like if you look at them from space you see them as crosses interesting i did not know that okay so being uh father edward d kelly became pastor in 1891 found the existing church inadequate to the needs of the parish aka not big enough Began raising funds in 1896 for the current church, which was dedicated in 1899 and completed in 1905. So an actual, an actual like twin sibling. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Like Ann Arbor was suddenly growing very, very quickly by 1870. So. Sponsored the first hospital in Ann Arbor. And two other Catholic parishes. Richardsonian Romanesque. Alright, I'm gonna click on that and see what that see what that means. Uh Richardsonian Romanesque is a style of Romanesque revival architecture named after architect Henry Hobson Richardson, who was uh who lived from eighteen thirty eight to eighteen eighty six. The revival style incorporates eleventh and twelfth century Southern French, Spanish, and Italian Romanesque characteristics. Richardson first used elements of the style in his Richardson Olmsted complex in Buffalo, New York, designed in 1870. 
Um, multiple architects followed his style in the late 1800s. Um, it later influenced modern styles of architecture as well. So like the Trinity Church in Boston, um, the first Presbyterian church in Detroit, which uh, I think you go by, I think that's the church you, let me click on that. I don't know exactly where that church. Oh, 2930 Woodward. Yeah, it's it's right downtown. Um the American Museum of Natural History is designed in that style. Uh Duran Union Station is like Chateau Romanesque, but it's of the same family. Uh so there, there's a lot of cousins when it comes to architectural styling. Yeah, the American Museum of Natural History is in the, on the Upper West Side of New York. So, uh, Mackenzie, when you when you finally make your trip to New York City, <laughs> you should go to natural the Natural History Museum. Of course, I love museums. The Field Museum in Chicago. See, that's what we want to hear. Because <laughs> someday you're going to take this place over from us. So. <laughs> it's I know you're going to school for kinesiology, but uh, your 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 destiny is to run the depot. It might be. We might have to add a little little different bachelors in there or something here pretty soon. We're pretty good about adding extravagant titles to things, so we'll just we'll just carve you out of space. Um, <laughs> it's uh, okay. So it's 41 minutes. We we don't want to go any longer than this. So. Uh, Unless something comes up that we want to get back to this topic, we, we probably won't come back to architecture for a while. Um, I know that at some point I want to talk about... Uh, oh, I just lost it. Uh-oh. 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 Oh, it's gone. Not architecture. Not architecture. Anything but architecture. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. Uh, I had... Uh, at some point we'll get Mallory back on the show to talk about train crime because she's like, that's actually train crime. Isn't her expertise, but she is uh, like working for the department of justice now. So uh, I've also uh, had conversations with Daniel about coming back on and talking about how the railroad has influenced our language. Oh, that and, would be fun too. Yeah. Cause he's, he's a linguistics guy. So he would, I, he's, he seemed pretty interested in that. So, um, I don't know if we're going to get those two on anytime soon. Like they they are also in college and doing stuff. So um, next week, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm glad that we record on Fridays now because it gives me time to actually think about what our next show is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Usually I'm thinking about like the day before we, we have to record and I go, Oh no. Um, hopefully this week is the week that we hit. Uh, we hit a thousand listens on the show. Uh, we are currently at 993 plays. So if this if this episode gets seven people to listen to it, we'll have hit a thousand times that someone hit play on our show, which is mind boggling to me. It uh, is. Seeing, is. Seeing how we started it at the kind of onset of COVID and... Yeah. We were like, well, well, let's see how this goes. Uh, yeah, uh, this is episode 45, which means that we are now seven episodes away from our one-year anniversary of this show. <laughs> Has anything That's happened in this cool. past year? We didn't, like, I, 2020 basically didn't exist. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, I am going to uh, probably go outside and shovel, but then I'm going to come back in and I'm going to work on the the newsletter some more. Uh, Sounds like a plan. Mackenzie, get your timesheet in. <laughs> yep, I'm going to work yeah. on the newsletter Do- too as well. Always conducting depot uh, work on the podcast live. Um, <laughs> Mary's already done a lot of hard work. She's already been in a two-hour meeting today. So uh, yep. Mary gets the rest of the day off. Yay. Yay. Um, all right. So uh, that was the podcast for February 5th. There was a lot of dead air in there, and I'm sorry about that. But uh, you you know as well as I do that I'm not going to edit that out. So, uh, yeah, 45 episodes of this. Crazy. Um, All right. We'll catch you around. See you later. Bye. Bye.